Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to Futures Focus, a podcast brought to you by Prospects 1500. My name, Alex Sanchez. Joining me today, Mr. David Gasper. We are only a few days away from, well, I guess they pushed back the opening day a little bit. So we're a few more days than normal, but we're close to opening day. How do you feel over there, David? Dude, I'm I'm feeling good. I'm excited. Uh, I got baseball comeback. March Madness tiding us over. Um, until then, St. Peter's, the Peacocks, coming through and just obliterating my bracket and the last remaining Final Four team uh, that I had. And I got to tell you, I couldn't be more excited about it. Uh, but, you know, I'm really kind of excited for basketball to be done and to move on over Nice little segue here. But really, it's just a big tease, you know. And so yeah. to have college basketball here is a nice way to have something that, like, these games matter. I mean, these kids are giving everything they have, whereas, like, you know, Matt Olson's getting five beers by the sixth inning because he's. <laughs> been taken out you know so it's like uh yeah. it's a good segue there to get into our our baseball but yeah st peter's i mean that's what everybody's favorite team is right now i would assume going forward since you know i would like to say that they ruined my bracket too but it was ruined in many different ways beyond st peter's going um i think i have one team left uh ucla my uc connection santa barbara oh, nice that's it kansas and, uh, is going on right now as, as we're recording here but uh we'll see how they end up doing yeah, we'll see. Um, anyway, on the agenda for today, a, a bit of a potpourri, if you will, about a couple different things I wanted to touch on. Number one, spring training. Obviously, I was kind of being a little tongue in cheek there. It, it does give us a lot of information about prospects that may be ready and may not be ready. So we're going to go over some that have impressed us over the first week or so of games. We also have finished our I don't know how we did it, but we somehow finished our uh, prospects only listener versus staff member league, which was a good 50 rounds of madness uh, <laughs> with 800 minor leaguers only being selected. So we need to go over that. I think what we'll do is we'll kind of try to get to as many rounds as we can. Obviously we can't talk about 800 players being picked, but we'll go over a few of our favorites per round and see how far we can get through that way. Um, that's interesting enough for a podcast, I feel, because it's going to be a bunch of guys that you could go out and pick up right now after we get past the 200, 250 range. The guys that, you know, if you need an extra spot on your minor league roster or somebody to take a chance on, they'd be very, very helpful, I think. And then finally, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Highlander Dynasty Invitational. Um, I was lucky enough to be invited to this and wanted to go over my team, David, and a couple of the other guys here on staff for helping me in what we call the war room which is kind of cool so it's really not just my team it's kind of like prospects 1500s representation of what a dynasty team might look like with obviously prospects <laughs> being what we know best here to see kind of what a team might look like with that mentality so all that being said david you ready to get started on uh, some of our spring training favorite players that we've seen so far 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's do it. All right. We're just going to go. It's sort of a random way I have this organized. Um, it just every week we talk about these guys. But, I mean, Bobby Witt hits another home run. I think it's about 90% chance that he's starting at third base for the Royals this year. Last, I mean, this is the Wander Franco type of situation that we dealt with last year. I mean, is there anything left to say about this guy? No, um, it, everything's really kind of, uh, you know, the, the hype is there. We all know it. I mean, it, it's kind of similar to, to Wander Franco, what we saw last year. I mean, it, there's not much more to say, but uh, I, I think he's going to open the, the season with the Royals on the big league club. Um, and I think it'd be wise for the Royals to do so. And I'm excited for this next era of, of Royals baseball with the hitters they got coming up, especially Bobby Witt. But also, I mean, you got Nick Prado, MJ Melendez behind. I mean, you got a bunch of really good players there. Uh, but Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, should be the crown jewel of them all. Yeah, so MJ Melendez was an interesting one, too, because he's getting some reps at third base, which suggests that, obviously, if, if Witt's there, it's going to still be tough to crack the lineup. But the Royals clearly want to get his bat and Sal Perez's bat and Bobby Witt's bat. Um, and then, you, of course, you still have, you know, Witt and... Mondesi, although Mondesi is no staple of uh, longevity in terms of a season, he he often gets hurt, so maybe there will be plenty of room. And we can't forget Nick Prado as well. Uh, everybody has been having a very, very solid spring. I think we're going to see all of these guys. And we can't forget about the pitchers. I think we forget about the Royals pitchers because they were a little ahead of these hitters. I mean, Daniel Lynch, Jackson Kowar just come to mind. Uh, there's some interesting names there as well to kind of take a chance on, especially in redraft leagues. I mean, the the Royals could be, is this crazy, David, to be the 2022 San Francisco Giants, or is it that a little too crazy? Yeah, that might be a little bit too crazy, uh, just just a little bit. But I mean, I, I think they're, I mean, they're they're a young up up and coming team, um, but I still think they may have a little bit more to go. Yeah, but again, if I would have said that last year about the Giants, I'm sure you would have said the same thing. So probably, if, if there's a nice, you know dart throw on a team that you're probably getting huge odds on in a sports book or something like that, the Royals. I mean, if, if Bobby Witt comes up and he is a, you know, top 20 type of player in all of baseball, which is not out of the realm of possibility, you got something there. I'm very excited to see Witt. Um, Julio, of course, also just, we can't, there's just nothing more to say about these guys. They're just doing more and more than we could have ever asked for them. So it looks like Julio has a chance of even making it, um, on the opening day roster, as uh, Daniel Kramer on MLB.com has reported that he has a realistic shot, an increasingly realistic shot to make opening day. What will you do, David, if Julio Rodriguez makes the opening day roster? I will poop my pants. <laughs> so you're not you're you're just kind of taking that for a grain of salt that he's you, you don't think he's making it. Not on, not on opening day. No, I think that's a little little too much for Julio to to make it there. But, um, you know, I, I think we're going to see him before the season is out. Um, but opening day, I think that's uh, a little much. So you're looking at probably putting newly acquired Jesse Winker to the DH, which makes a lot of sense because he's pretty brutal out there. But when that outfield gets going with Kyle Lewis, Kelnick and Julio, ooh, filthy. It's going to be with fun. Pitchers. Pitchers coming up too. I mean, they're 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 just a little bit ahead of the Royals. I think I think most people will take the minor league system of the Mariners over the Royals, but 
the Mariners are ready to go for sure this year. All right. I want to, I just have to talk about those two guys. I just, they were so excited. Uh, a couple of other guys I wanted to mention. Uh, one name that I was a little disappointed to hear about going on the 60 day injured list was Cody Morris, who was a guy that uh, had a lot of uh, potential to perhaps make the opening rotation for the guardians. Um, he has some really interesting numbers in AAA last year, and he's a little older as well, but he's going to be on the 60 day IL. So that's a little sad news there. So um, Cody Morris out for a while, but in a, in a better news, Adley Rutschman is perhaps going to be ready for minor league opening day, which is excellent news there. So nothing to really worry about with Adley Rutschman long-term and uh, another low key pitching prospect that we don't talk about. I don't think we've talked about Cody Morris a ton, but another one that we should probably be talking more because again, the Bobby Witts and the Julios of the world are very difficult to acquire. If you don't have them, these other guys might be able to be picked up or drafted very, very late. Um, so Cody Morris, one of those guys, unfortunately he's looking at an injury stint, but Josh Windner, who last season was about ready to make it up, um, but had some right shoulder issues, but, He's ready to go now, it looks like, and he could win a spot in the rotation. So um, anything you want to add on those two, like, low-key pitching prospects? I mean, we have to wait on Cody Morris a little bit more. But Josh Winder out of Minnesota, um, are they worth keeping an eye on here and seeing if they can crack the rotation? I mean, they're certainly worth uh, keeping an eye on. I mean, they, they're definitely pretty close to to being there. Will they make it, you know, early on? Eh, you know, it's so interesting. I know Minnesota is still looking for uh, some some rotation help. Still, um, I think they're I think they're rumored to be in the market for what was it Montas or, or Manaya out of uh, Oakland, whichever one they're more willing to trade. I think it's Manaya. I think the uh, A's are probably waiting to trade those guys. It looks like now. I, I think it's yeah. I mean, we're getting so, close to opening day now. Yeah. Yeah. We might so. see. You never know. You might see one, but. Um, it is yeah. Oakland. I mean, they, they have been known to do these things. Yeah. So Josh Winder in double A last year had a 1.98 ERA with 65 strikeouts in 54 innings. Got the bump up to triple A, suggesting that he was very close. Um, and then, of course, had the shoulder issues. So he's pretty nasty. If you've seen videos of him, it's just a very fluid delivery. And the ball just explodes out of his hand. Um, and at 25, he's certainly not a lot left to prove in the minors. Um, Let's take a break here and talk about our sponsor. And last week we discussed about the new uh, promotion that they're going about how to win tickets for your entire league. And I want to expand on that a little bit because there are a bunch of different ways that you can enter to win this. And of course you should be playing on fan tracks right now. Um, I have every single league running on fan tracks. It's just such a breeze to just scroll down and click, go to the next league et cetera, et cetera, jump in a draft. I'm getting notifications that I'm on the clock. I'm getting notifications that I'm on deck. It's just a fantastic platform if you have not gotten on there. But here are some ways to enter. Again, the prize here is to win any MLB regular season game for you and your entire league. So get those 20-team leagues going uh, if you have 20 friends. I don't know. I don't know if I can have a, a league of 20 friends like in my circle. I know people online – but 20 friends, that's a lot, David. But anyway, I digress. You also are going to get $1,000 towards travel and accommodations with this. And all you have to do, number one, is you can create a free account at Fantrax.com. That'll get you entered. You can create a new league, join an active league, or bring over an existing league, which I'm thinking about doing because I do have one league in a, another platform that I will not mention. Uh, 
But I want to bring them over, and maybe I can get entered into this as well. Uh, the cool news, David, how, you're now joining the, the Fantrax Dynasty lifestyle. Every existing league that you're in, you're automatically entered. The more leagues you have, the more chances you have. For example, if you have four leagues, you have four entries. The winner is going to be selected on April 29th of this next month, which is coming up. We're almost at the end of March. Crazy to think of. And you can also follow on Instagram and tag three friends or league mates to also be entered. So that's a ton of ways. David, which game do you think you'll be taking all of us to when you win? Uh, the uh, Brewers uh, World Series uh, victory game, whenever that happens. <laughs> well, it, said it is a regular season game, so that oh, may be impossible. Okay. But yes, Dang it. I'm telling um, you. <laughs> their, yeah. their central clinching game. You'll have that sure. one. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that one works. There we go. We, okay, all, yeah. we all meet up in September, watch uh, uh, the, the the Cubs fans cry as the Brewers win the uh, NL Central. Apologies to any Cubs fans listening, but um, it, it's not going to be the Cubs year. Did, did you see the no. Cubs change their uh, their motto for this season? It's different here is now their new motto. It's different. Than I'm like, you know, like it makes sense considering you just lost Rizzo and Baez and Bryant and, you know, pretty much everybody. They, uh, they, I, I'm really liking their future. It's just not going to happen this year, but it's just, it's um, different there. It's yeah. Different. Yeah. Uh, losing. It's Same different. thing. You could say it'll be a losing season. You could just say that and be truthful. Yeah. But but they can't put that in the motto. That that doesn't sell many tickets. No. I don't Even think the Orioles worry. wouldn't go that far. And although they've come close. <laughs> um, you know what? Uh, Brendan Davis, by the way, if we're talking about the Cubs. I did want to touch on him. So perfect introduction to this. Brendan Davis did get reassigned to minor league camp, which I was a little surprised. I thought they'd keep him up a little bit more and and kind of get a firsthand look. But he is reassigned, which makes me think that you know July, August if at all, for Brendan Davis. So if you're relying on him to get a quick call-up, I wouldn't think that. Although he had a nice opposite field home run. He looks, I mean, he's a big dude. You kind of watch him play, and he looks like he belongs for sure. But, David, I want to take this time and see if you had anybody that was catching your eye in spring training. I'm sure you have a brewer or two that you wouldn't mind talking about. But anybody else as well that, you're like, wow, this is guy is uh, is gaining some value and some helium here before the regular season. Um, well, really, on the Brewer side, we haven't seen uh, quite as much. They, they haven't done as much with the uh, prospects here, although Ethan Small uh, has looked good, but that was to be expected. Same with Aaron Ashby um, has also been looking good. So, um, other than that, I mean, Keston Hero has been looking good. That's great, but he's not a prospect anymore. Um, other than that, uh, I mean, Bobby Witt has, uh, done extremely well. Um, you know, no, no one else has really kind of, uh, jumped out to me so far. From my Braves perspective, it's been very, very fun seeing Michael Harris seem like he belongs. He actually is still with the major league club. And I find that quite interesting as another star that everybody seemed to be chasing over Michael Harris. Drew Waters did get reassigned to minor league camp. So that tells you at least, I mean, for me, you know, maybe not a hundred percent, but for the most part that they view Michael Harris as um, more of a major part moving forward than Drew Waters. Although R- Drew did have an injury that might've had something to do with that, but 
Michael Harris definitely looks like he long. I, I don't know if you've seen video of him, but man, he looks like Jason Hayward hit his swing now. Um, hopefully he has a little bit better of a trajectory than Jason Hayward, who speaking of a tease, that was a big tease for us Braves fans. A <laughs> um, couple other guys, just really quickly. Uh, it seems like there's Cade Cavalli hype that he might actually make the rotation for the Nationals. He didn't have a huge game today. He he went out there and gave up a few runs, but was averaging 97 plus on the fastball. So Cade Cavalli, do you think he has some redraft potential if you were to see him start the year in the rotation or be up within a month? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that rotation in uh, Washington is, uh, well, I think it's leaving a lot to be desired um, at the moment. Um, it's really just kind of been a um, rough one. I mean, Patrick Corbin, eh. I mean, you got Josiah Gray. I mean, you got, you got what, Paolo Espino penciled in as a number three? I mean, come on. Like, like they can find a spot for Kate Cavalli in there. He really can't be that much worse than a than what they're working with. So, you know, it, it may be aggressive for them, but, you know, Washington has really kind of always had a, a fairly strong rotation over the years, and it's really kind of fallen apart uh, recently. Um, so I could really see them giving Cavalli a shot early on. I think Cavalli will have some control issues as he tries to kind of bump that fastball by everybody. And uh, I could see him not being the greatest, you know, in terms of the ratios, ERA and whip. But to see him get up quickly is is good. And don't forget, I mean, he's a little older. He's not one of those young high school guys. Um, he is at 23 years old. So he definitely, I mean, it's about the time. Just, I, I don't know how to handle these pitching prospects, right? Do you want to bring them up and get them experience? Do you want to save the bullets? And it's so tricky with those guys. But um, speaking of which, tricky prospects. Let's go ahead and transition here now to the prospects only draft that we had with listeners and staff members. You're a part of it. I'm a part of it. Last week, or two weeks ago, I suppose, we talked about the basically the 150 or so first picks and discussed big movers and big fallers. And that's all fun and good. The most part, though, I think today's episode is going to help you pick up prospects. Those guys we talked about, you might like them, you might not like them as much. You, get, you got an idea of where they're being picked in a expert league, quote-unquote. But... You can't go pick up those guys, right? Nolan Gorman and the Melendez we talked, Soder, like these guys are all taken. Uh, maybe in redraft leagues, you can take a chance on some of those guys. But we want to get a little bit deeper. We haven't gone deep in prospects for a while. So, uh, David, go ahead, pull up those rounds on Fantrax on the results if you have not already done yep, so. Anyway, I got it. it. Perfect. We're going to start on round 12. Let's start on well, okay. round 12 and just go down the list here. Um, I, I can't, I mean, it's 800 players, so my apologies. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll probably send out a link at some point to review the league and follow along, but uh, I'll try to go quickly with some of my favorite. Well, let's stick to just one per round. So I'll pick one for round 12 and then you'll do the odds in round 13 and et cetera, et cetera. So round 12, a couple of guys that, you know, caught my eye. I was, I was surprised to see Austin Hendrick get picked that late i mean he, he's lost a lot but um cole wilcox uh at 190 is kind of my um pick there I, he gets lost a lot in our top pitching prospects conversation he's a former san diego padre so i know him very well um and he's in tampa bay now so like 
you can't pick a better organization to be in. His stuff is ridiculous. He's a first-round talent that just didn't get drafted in the first round because of signability stuff. And he's really done nothing to disprove anything that we originally thought from Cole Wilcox. So in round 12, 190, if he's still available in your league, Cole Wilcox, a great guy, a great throw-in guy too, like to just sweeten a deal or something like that. I think Cole Wilcox is a fantastic player. So um, that was picked by uh, Steve Langer, at Steven Langer. Um, so let's move to round 13. David, who do you like here for this pick? Uh, in round 13 there, um, let's see. I was looking at round 12. Um, one of the guys I, re- I really like in this uh, round, another Steve pick, Roderick Arias, um, falling there to 195. Um, I mean, he's he's pretty far away, um, but, you know, just signed this past year out of, what was it, Dominican Republic, I think, um, by the Yankees. Um, he's someone that, that I really kind of like. I was looking at uh, with my last picks there. Um, but also, uh, down around 13, I kind of like my own pick Hunter Bishop. He really kind of seemed to fall a lot as well. Got him at two Oh seven. Um, you know, he, he has been dealing with a couple of injuries, but I mean, when healthy, he should still be a pretty productive player. And, you know, Bishop is, uh, you know, he's fallen up, you know, past the 200 mark in this draft. So I was kind of surprised to see him still fall that far. Still like Hunter Bishop, a guy that also reminds me a lot of Bishop is Cameron Misner who went just a few picks before those two guys, man, I, they haven't had a breakout, you know, since they've been drafted, they've been always touted as these toolsy guys that are going to do everything for you. And they just haven't ever performed to what you would like to see in the minors. So the, the hope isn't quite as bright as it was, but if they do put it together, you have a fantasy gold line there. So I agree. Hunter Bishop going after 200, I'll probably still have them in the 150 range or so, even maybe a little higher than that, but. Yeah, great. This round, actually, round 13, and we're getting close to the top 200. There's a bunch of guys here I still really like. We didn't talk about my pick, Jonathan Aranda, who is a, just a pure hitter with no position. DJ Herds uh, with Chicago is a great pick, too. Gabriel Gonzalez, Michael Richards' guy over there for our Seattle uh, staff. Uh, uh, G-Gon, great pick there. I mean, this round is insane when you think about it, the potential. Um, but let's move on to round 14. Um I think that Josh Smith for not, not Knox um, was a great pick 213. I have him much higher than that. He came over to Texas in the New York trade for Joey Gallo. And, you know, he's a, a tinier guy. He's not going to hit 30 home runs, but he's definitely a potential everyday regular. And that's pretty valuable here in the 200. So to me, Josh Smith out of Texas is somebody to keep an eye on. And we're now getting a little bit deeper here into round 15. These are picks 225 to 240. Um, but still some names that I really like here. I'm interested to see who you're going to pick for your uh, pick of the round. Uh, yeah, my pick of the round, I think I'm going to end up going with uh, Dax Fulton uh, by Robbie LaRue. Uh, there out of Miami. I mean, he's a guy that I really kind of liked, and I was eyeing up. He kind of sniped me there um, before before my pick. But uh, Dax Fulton going at 238. Uh, he's someone who's had a lot of helium lately as well, um, and, and performed pretty well in the in the uh, Marlins farm system. Um, so Fulton is a guy that I like there. We had a um, bunch of really good guys here go off the board. This was when. Um, you and I were, were doing that podcast uh, two weeks ago. <laughs> right. We yeah. were going through this round. You, you went and picked Josh Baez there uh, of the Cardinals, and I was I was waiting on Robbie to pick. Um, 
And uh, I, I was thinking of taking D- Tanner Burns. I was between Fulton and Burns, really. Um, and I was leaning Burns uh, and decided to go that way. But Fulton was another guy I was kind of hoping to, you know, squeak back to my second pick afterwards uh, in round 16. But uh, just kind of didn't get there. So uh, a couple of really strong pitchers there at the end of the round. Yeah, absolutely. Those guys, you know, Cleveland pitchers are always going to be having a little extra oomph, I think, with their yeah. uh their history, so always a smart pick there. Uh, moving on to round 16, I'm going to pick a guy that you've probably heard of before. It's Jackson Rutledge going at 252 to at max prox prospects. Um, fantastic pick here. Just in the name alone, I mean, people are going to recognize it. And we mentioned earlier with Kate Cavalli, like there's not a lot of foundational rotation pieces in Washington anymore. So Jackson Rutledge is a solid pitcher. Is he going to be an ace or number two? Probably not. But I can't imagine there isn't a world where health permitting, he doesn't crack that rotation at some point within the next year or two. And you have somebody that'll probably stick there for for a while. And I think getting him at 252. Now, the problem with Jackson Rutledge is he is so well known that he's probably taken in a lot of leagues. But uh, a guy you could probably trade for on the treat, uh, cheap with maybe a, a second or a third round pick in, a, in next year's draft or something like that. Maybe I wouldn't give up a second rounder, but a third rounder and, and maybe a, a positional player that you don't need anymore might be able to get you a guy that you can rely on for some innings moving forward. So round 17, these are again picks 250 to 272. So the top 300 prospects uh, at the fringes here. Who do you like for this round? Uh, there are a bunch of picks I like in this round. Isaiah Green going to Kev Seva at the beginning of the round. Um, you know, he's someone that I, I really kind of like there. Uh, Lozaro Montez, first baseman uh, for Seattle, going to Steve Langer. Um, that was a, a really solid pick. Um, and just kind of moving down, I mean, I, I really liked uh, your selection, Alex, of Freddie Tarnock. Um, of course, going the, the Atlanta route for you, not surprising. Um, and then, I mean, towards the end of the round, uh, I was surprised. I was uh, amazed that he actually made it back around to, around to me. Adel Amador, um, shortstop in Colorado's system, I, like he's, you know, cracking top 200 lists and, you know, maybe even higher um, on a lot of places. And he falls to 271 uh, to me. Uh, and another guy I was thinking of taking with that pick, if Amador wasn't there, Austin Shenton goes one pick later, third baseman for Tampa Bay who's pretty close to the bigs. Yeah, and, you know, Chase Petty also going in this uh, range at 264, uh, 263, excuse me. Great. I mean, these are still useful guys. Now the possibility that they just flame out is increasingly higher than anybody a couple rounds earlier. But, again, here in in round 18, I mean, there's a bunch of guys that I think we'll see in the big leagues at some point. Uh, uh, Michael Macy. He goes to Gator Sosa at 273 is a, a guy that he's going to be a utility player at the minimum, I think, moving forward. Um, Forrest Whitley goes in this round. But the pick that I wanted to mention were uh, two of them, actually. They are very, very similar. They go to uh, one of them is going to be mine. But Ricky Venasco goes to at not not Knox again. Um, and coming off of the injury, he was very um, rapidly ascending. And then, of course, has the, the Tommy John. Jonathan Bolin is the guy that I picked right after Venasco. To me, they're very, very similar coming off of injuries and they're they're forgotten, you know, and we've seen Tommy John be very successful in the last couple of years. And guys are not, you know, there's exceptions, of course, but most of them are coming back as strong as they were before within that, you know, year and a half. It's it's a, an amazing surgery and it's, it's 
mastered, if you will. I don't know if it's surgeries can be mastered or whatnot, but there's not much to worry about once these guys are back. And, and those two guys had some helium moving before they got hurt. So two guys to keep an eye on there. Let's move on to round 19 after we take a short break. Um, and we'll be back and try to get to as many rounds as possible. We're getting there. I mean, we're on, what, round uh, 19. Try to get to as many as we could um, before, you know, time permitting. But we will take a break right now, so stay tuned. Futures Focus will be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back. Features Focus here with you. Alex Sanchez is my name. David Gasper joining me again. We are going over the Prospect 1500's Prospect Challenge, which is a league that is insane. I actually went to a, a hockey game the other day with uh, people from my wife's work, and they were telling me about how they're into fantasy baseball, and, they're, and they love it, and they're joining a 16-team league. And I said, uh, hold my beer. I'm in a uh, – what? how many people are in a 16-team prospects only no major league experience and um, then they stopped talking to me for the rest of the night but um, <laughs> it is insane insane and we are on round 19 now and again these are going to be guys not just to go over the league it, it'll be interesting to follow for sure but rather to give you some names that you could check on in your league to see if they're still there uh, we're getting to the point where almost all of these guys should be available unless you're just in a huge minor league roster accepted league and if you had a guy, you know, you've been waiting on, he's turning 26 this year, he just hasn't been doing it, just get rid of him and uh, pick up one of the guys we're mentioning here. So, David, up to you here in round 19. What are your favorite pick or picks? And I hope you pick my guy in this round. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, there, there's a couple of uh, very interesting picks here in round 19. And the first one I got to start with is Michael Kelly's uh, when he selected Tyler Black. Oh. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers a second baseman when he was telling me all beforehand and I went on a little bit about this last week but when he was telling me all beforehand well if you want to win you can't take any Brewers prospects trying to you know get at me and get under my skin I'm like oh okay fine just you better not pick any then and sure enough here he is uh, selecting Tyler Black in the 19th round you know with the 296 pick and look don't get me wrong it's a great pick it's a great value you know he he ended up falling to this point i was thinking of taking him here with with my next pick in this round uh, if he made it that far but he did not um so you know michael kelly you know just going back on his word and apparently doesn't want to win the league but you know it's <laughs> it's fine whatever um and then moving on down um alex of course you took hudson head because you could not resist uh, no. taking Hudson Head. He was sitting out there for 19 rounds too long. Uh, we know. 
But uh, he's sitting out there. And Felix Valerio uh, going at, with the 300th pick to uh, not, not knock. Uh, I thought that was another uh, very uh, interesting and good selection. He's jumped up a lot uh, recently. And I also wanted to touch on Daniel Montesino. I can't believe that he was taken there at 302. I, I thought I could just sneak him in a few rounds later. But at Robbie LaRue clearly reads my articles because Montesino is a fantastic hitter. And, uh, yeah, Hudson Head, he's got a shorter swing. I saw some videos. He has shortened that long swing so he can make more contact. I'm telling you, 299 is going to be a steal for my boy, Hudson Head. But moving on to round 20, I want to get your thoughts on this guy because you know him very well, and I still don't understand how he is going outside of the top 300. Now, his path to playing time is probably hurt with the move to Boston, but David Hamilton, a guy that, if he can make it, He's going to be a fantasy goldman because he has a skill set that very few people do. So why is David Hamilton going in pick 310, David? Well, he's going there because he is going to get you stolen bases uh, no matter what. Um, so he he hits pretty well. Um, he is 80-grade speed personified. Um, and he can stick at shortstop uh, defensively, I feel. Um, now, obviously, with Trevor Story going to Boston, uh, that's a little tough for him. And he was already pretty much blocked in Milwaukee with uh, Bryce Terang ahead of him and also Willie Adamas at the big league level. So, you know, path to playing time for him might be tough. But, um, you know, at least for now, you know, he can still develop in that system. And then, you know, if they, you know, once he finally feels big league ready, perhaps then Boston can trade him to a place where he can actually show his stuff at the big league level and will get an opportunity um, but, uh, you know, Hamilton, he'll bring you stolen bases. Uh, you know, if he's on your big league team, it, when, when he makes a big league roster, he's going to get you stolen bases all yeah, the time. He, know, he knows how to do it already. I mean, there's a lot of guys that have that huge speed. Christian Pache comes to mind, even Brennan Davis, in a sense, like they're, they're telling me how fast these guys are, but the stolen bases aren't there. David Hamilton is fast and he knows how to steal which in fantasy is very valuable. So a guy that can come up and potentially steal 30 bases for you is somebody worth grabbing well before pick 300, in my opinion. Another pick I love here is at Max Prospects, again, picking Aaron Sabato, a huge power there to keep an eye on. But let's move on to round 21. Uh, Still some great names here. I'm very interested to see who catches your eye here in round 21. Yeah, I was looking at, I was looking to take Kai Bush here if he ended up falling, but, uh, Nate, our boy Nate, uh, took him there in round 20. Uh, that was a really good pick uh, as well. Uh, but here in round 21, um, one one of the guys I was eyeing up was Ken Waldachuk of the Yankees. He ends up going to Michael Kelly there uh, at 328 overall. I think that was a really excellent pick. Um, I, I, I like Waldachuk. He's got some really good stuff, and he should be in the big leagues relatively soon. Oh, excellent. I, I'm very excited you picked that. This is still a good round. There's a bunch of guys here, but... Waldenchuk is very close to the majors, and he he's very polished. If you ever see him pitch, um, he's very, very polished. Um, worth mentioning there. Very nicely done. Moving on to round 22. Again, we're going to try to get through as many as we can, so we'll stick to one or two names here. Um, I'm going to go with the guy that, that I picked. I think, you know, we talked about Daniel Montesino in uh, round 19 at pick 300 and two overall but a guy who i would take ahead of montesino still is samuel zavala same system for the padres he goes a little bit later in this draft i would still rank these 
and they're very similar for the Padres. It goes Victor Acosta and then Samuel Zavala and then Daniel Montesino, just because Montesino is kind of stuck at first base or DH, whereas Zavala is going to be an outfielder um, and has a little bit more of that uh, positional need that you might have. So Zavala, I would have ahead of Montesino, but uh, two guys to definitely keep an eye on. They have huge ceilings, stuff you don't really see in this round. All right, we're into picks 350 to 368. We are getting deep, deep, deep. Who do you have here in round 23? Yeah, you know, not to go back to Michael Kelly's roster a bit too much, but I really love the Kevin Copps pick here at 360. Uh, I'm a huge Kevin Copps guy, uh, have been, you know, since his college days there. And I, I think he's going to be able to move up through that system quickly uh, and perform extremely well at the big league level and in whatever role uh, they can find from there in San Diego. And another pick that I like here, Maximo Acosta uh, at the end of the round at 368. I honestly didn't know he was still on the board. I thought he was gone, you know, rounds ago. Um, so I didn't even think of taking him the pick before. And then Gator Sosa, uh, the the keen-eyed Gator Sosa uh, ends up uh, taking him there at the end of round 23. Yeah, that happens a lot here going forward. It's like, oh, man, I didn't know that guy was still there. And that actually moves into round 24 where Alexander Canario is picked at 375. Now, this is one of the main guys coming back for Chris Bryant. So, you know, the Cubs are going to want to have him now. Of course, they did get Caleb Killian, who actually might be the better of the two. Uh, going forward, but still, Alexander Canario has a lot of ceiling left to possibly get to, and at 375 at Benny Tro makes a great pick here. Nick Lofton uh, is also another one, and Max Muncy, two other names that I think have very uh, high floor, low ceiling types for their respective organizations, but that's kind of what you would hope for now in this range. I guess when you get to this point, you, you want guys that can just make it. You know you're not getting that 40-homer guy or that 350 hitter but to get a guy that can play every day, that's a huge win. So anybody that catches your eye there in round 25 that might uh, be that type of player. Yeah, I mean, there, there are a couple guys here. I mean, uh, I, I really kind of struggled with, you know, where to take him, but I, I had him on my radar. Adam Aller, uh, one of the pieces in the return for uh, Chris Bassett uh, for Oakland, um, he ends up going here in round 25. I, I was struggling where, where to take him. Black Sox, 96. Uh, took him here in round 25. I mean, he's someone who's uh, who did pretty well in AAA last year. He should make the big leagues this season. And given you know all the new openings uh, popping up in that Oakland uh, roster, uh, he should get some big league time this year. Reese Olson is another guy I like. He really kind of seemingly came out of nowhere with the Brewers system last year. Showed you know plenty of pitches, you know, and stuff to stay as a starter. Ends up getting traded to Detroit. Greg Bracken taking him here. Uh, in round 25 with 391 overall. Uh, I think that's an excellent pick there as well. Um, and, you know, first-year first, first year player draft guy, Ethan Wilson, um, oh, he yeah. goes in this round here too. That, that was another pick I really liked. Yeah. All right, we're outside of the 400s. We're into the deepest part of the Pacific Ocean, if you will. And uh, you're not going to find too many guys out there that are ranking beyond 400. So <laughs> if you can find these guys... You know, quickly uh, put them into a deal. You you know, people that are like, okay, where is his ranking? Oh, he's not even on the top 400. And all of a sudden, their value is tanked. So this is actually a pretty important number. Uh, you know, 500 is probably the other one after you get that. But um, right at 401, Alex Santos, I would definitely take him within the first 300 picks. He has, 
you know, a long way to go there in Houston. But again, if we talk about organizations that have, can produce. This is the OG. This is Houston. This is the guy that, you know, the organization that made guys out of nothing. Um, and the guys that had stuff, they made them into superstars. See Garrett Cole and uh, Justin Verlander. So, although Verlander, of course, was a superstar. I shouldn't use that. But Alex Santos is a great pick there at 401. He's got a long way to go. There's no doubt about it. But this is actually a really interesting round as well. Levi Stout is competing for the opening road, uh, opening day rotation there in Seattle. I think you could pick him up in a lot of leagues. Ed Howard was a huge pick last year. Jackson Merrill was a first-rounder this year. All great picks. Um, but, yeah, at Gator Sosa picking Alex Santos, 401. Fantastic idea. Um, 20, around 27, who do you have here? Uh, yeah, one guy I really liked here, Taron Vavra of Baltimore. Uh, goes to Sean Kernahan at 429 overall. He was someone I was really eyeing up, hoping he got back around to me. Uh, he's pretty close to the big leagues, you know, pretty solid uh, in, infield prospect. Could get you some stats quickly. Uh, he ends up going to Sean there uh, at 429. And so with him off my board, I ended up going with Isaac Pacheco. Uh, third baseman out of Detroit, first-year player draft guy, uh, two picks later. And I, I thought he fell pretty far. Uh, I, I thought he was someone who could have gone much earlier. Um, so I was happy to to kind of take him there. And then Jaden Hill, also another first-year guy going to Gator Sosa at the end of the round. Yeah, those first-year guys are always intriguing because it's such a small sample size that you have professionally. And, of course, they're all putting up great numbers in their amateur ranks or their high school ranks, wherever they have been at. So to take a chance on a first-year guy is a, is a smart decision, which leads me to Robert Gasser that you picked here at 434, I think is a great pick. He is um, very, very much on the path towards being a, you know, a, a big league pitcher. And he's closer than you think. I think that was a really good pick. I think that there are a couple of names here that have their, their, sh their shine has worn off. Carson Tucker being one of those guys, Tanaj Thomas, who was, close to top 100 list there for a second on some publications um and pittsburgh goes to greg bracken um pd halpin again was a, a fancy 2020 first year player draft type of guy but he's fallen off a little bit as well but still guys that just because their shines off after their debut is nothing that you should write them off entirely all right how many more rounds do you think we should do here david we're getting to rounds 29 30 31 how much do you have left in you um, you want to go to like 35? All right, 35. Sounds good. You're up for round 29. Who do you like here in uh, round 29? Uh, there's a couple name? guys I like. Grant Levine uh, going to, to Scotty Ball game there. Uh, first baseman out of Colorado at 454. Uh, I think that's a solid uh, place for him. Uh, Abner Uribe, uh, Brewers relief prospect, goes to not not knock at 460. He can throw 103. He's got a nasty breaking ball. He's got no idea where either of those pitches are going on a consistent basis. Uh, but if he can find that command, uh, he's he's going to be a future closer if he can find that. So definitely worth a flyer here in round 29. Uh, Colt Keith uh, is another one I was kind of surprised he kind of fell this far. Um, you know, his first year in the minor leagues wasn't super bad. Um, you know, it, it wasn't terrible. So uh, I was surprised he fell here, but yeah, I was happy to take him. Moving on to round 30, three guys that literally went, you know, back to back to back right before I was up at 470 overall. Uh, I, I'm not going to choose just one. I'm going to just list them off and, and tell you I like all of them in different ways. Dalen Lyle out of Washington, Jordan Barley also out of Washington, former San Diego Padre, and Antonio Gomez because, 
you get to this point, if you're a catcher and you are somewhat decent and you're a Yankee, I think that's great value at 469 going to not, not knock uh, as well. So, you know, Jordan, uh, Jordan, Jordy Barley has always impressed me and I really want him to make it. I think he's going to be, uh, if he can put it all together, he's going to be a fantastic, a very high ceiling for him that you don't really find in this range. But um, we are getting to the point, I think, uh, you know, I, I've noticed now after about pick 450 that these guys um, are dropping off considerably. Do you feel that too? Or do you still kind of enjoy these players at this range? Or are you finding it harder to find those guys that you you can get really excited about? I enjoy some of them. Um, you know, so, some of these guys, I'm just like, they were not anywhere near my radar. You know, I, I had no clue here. So, I mean, there, there's a small handful I'm, I'm still kind of excited about that are working their way through. Um, you know, I had a pretty long queue lined up as, you know, and, and as we got to here only, you know, it, it wasn't getting sniped as much as it used to be. So, yeah, um, you have a lot of my guys, you know, the guys that perhaps yeah. are in your system or, or whatnot in your and you just, OK, I'll take this guy. And they'll last for rounds and rounds and rounds. Not like yeah. before. So that's a good point. Yeah. But, and it was struggling with where to take him. And one of those my guys for me is Tyler McDonough. Uh, who went here at the beginning of round 31 to Kev Seva. Oh my God. I, I was, I, I had him in, on the, on the queue. I was wondering where to take him. I was hoping he'd come back around to me here uh, at the end of the round, but Kev Seva freaking snipes Tyler McDonough from me. I got him in every other first year player draft that I had this year. Um, was not able to get him in this one. Um, but I love McDonough switch hitter. Uh, really strong hit tool, good speed, you know, showed a lot more power at NC State last year. Um, you know, that's someone that, that I'm really excited about in Boston system, and he can play all over the place. Yeah, great. I, I don't know much about him. That's a, that's a you know, I'm going to have to, I like switch hitters, you know that. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> moving on to round 32, I'm going to get a guy here that I saw firsthand, um, was very disappointed with, but you could see that the stuff was there. That's Kendall Williams out of the Los Angeles Dodgers organization at down on the farm eight, taking him at pick 504. I got to see him firsthand in Lake Elsinore when they were visiting the storm and he was all over the place, but I loved his delivery. It was repeatable. It was a strong looking delivery. It just wasn't quite there yet for him. And, at pick 504, this is, you know, this is the territory where when you want somebody and the, and somebody's like, well, what else can you throw in? You throw in something and you're giving a two for one or a three for two or a four for two, something like that, knowing that you have guys that you can pick up that are going to be like, you know, the guys we've been mentioning that you actually are going to get value too because you know the prospects at such a deep range. You can actually make those four for twos, get a high end player and then go pick up two more prospects like a Kendall Williams or whoever we go on moving forward that are definitely going to be available in your leagues that you can get value out of. They're not nobodies, right? We're not talking about nobodies here. We have some potential. So uh, round 33 here, are a few more to go, and then we'll uh, we'll move on. So who do you like here in round 33? Uh, I like Zach McCambly. Uh, again, going at the top of the round here to Kev Seva, uh, pitcher out of Miami. I also like Will Bergola. Uh, going to Philadelphia, one of the uh, international guys this year that, that Greg Bracken took uh, here at 519 overall. Uh, you know, Bergola is far away, but uh, he's a very interesting talent. Yeah, I mean, some of these names now I'm struggling to even new exist. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> this is so deep. And we're not even close. Like, we still have like 20 more rounds to get to anyway. Yeah. Um, round, round 34. It, this was the, the theme of guys that had gotten traded recently that are interesting. So um, Michael Escado, remember him in the Musgrove deal? Um, he got traded. Uh, was it? No, it was the Yankees deal. I'm sorry. The Yankees deal. Who did they trade? Oh, gosh. I'm, I should know this off the top of my head. But anyway, he came over from New York to Pittsburgh. Um, didn't do much last year, but, you know, change of environment, stuff like that. Another guy that also was a former Yankee heading on over to Texas was Trevor Halver, who got off to uh, Anthony Volpe type of start in 2021 and then didn't quite carry over. But, you know, that he showed what he is capable of. You can kind of figure out how to do that. You actually picked Halver there at 530. Yeah. Nicely done. Thank you. Um, so those two guys are, are what I wanted to highlight. And we're finally here in round 34. I'm so exhausted. Who do you have to finish us off? All right. Well, in uh, in round 35 here, I got uh, Keone Cavaco, uh, shortstop out of Minnesota. Uh, he's someone that, you know, he was a you know former first round pick, I believe, a couple years ago. You know, his prospect shine has obviously, you know, fallen off a little bit, uh, but still, you know, a, a shortstop and up the middle guy. You know, is he going to actually play shortstop for the Twins? And eh, maybe not, uh, but he's someone that, that's an interesting player that, you know, I think is definitely worth it here at 547 uh, overall uh, to Steve here. So I think that was a pretty solid pick. If we want to truly be sick, what we should do is have an episode where we talk about all the uh, all the players that were not drafted and who our favorites are. <laughs> oh, yeah. So eight hundred. But wait a minute, but but then that just kind of cues up who my uh oh, who who our that. next uh you know wants are when, when we got guys that graduate, who are we gonna pick up next? That's just telegraphing the rest of the league, man. Ah. Uh, remember Kevin Maiton? He went at seven hundred and ninety six. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when he was the, the yeah. biggest thing ever he and was, uh didn't they uh ban Coppolella for life yeah, yeah. for Screwed signing us over? Screwed us yeah. over for a couple of years there. So but yeah. You'll get him picked in the top eight hundred, which sure I can't can't get mad at that. Yeah, why <laughs> All not? Right. Um, let's finish off with the uh, Highlander Dynasty Invitational. And again, like I was mentioning earlier in the podcast, this is kind of a group effort here. Of course, you know, I'm at the helm. It's my name and all that stuff. But I am really trying to take your consideration, David, as well as some of our other staff members that are willing to kind of help me out here and talk about some of the best picks to make here. It's difficult. Because this league is very different than what we're used to, I think, here at Prospects 1500. We're used to having a minor league roster that you can just add to and send guys down to and and not even worry about, essentially, what they're doing. Just let them develop, almost like they are in real life. But this league is very different in that you have just a certain amount of reserve spots as well as your starting lineup. And you have to think about who you're going to be able to keep and who you're not going to be able to keep. There's some processes that go into that. So it makes it a little bit more difficult in my opinion, because you have to figure out when to pick the prospects. And I know what we just went over about was, you know, prospects only. And it's one thing to pick prospects when it's prospects only. I think if you're listening to this podcast, you're, you're probably quite aware at where values will be for a top 100 or top 200 list. But what do you do when you have major league talent available as well. And so I'm uh, not necessarily going over my team. I will, I will give over my picks as well, but uh, trying to give you guys an idea of where prospects would go if we're comparing them to major league players. And 
the the couple that I wanted to mention is Bobby Witt is a first rounder in a dynasty league. He goes to Eric Cross out of Fantrax. Um, at, at a, so if you want Bobby Witt, you have to spend a first rounder on him if you're starting up in a dynasty league. Um, that's pretty insane. What do you think about that, David? Do you, are you willing to spend a first round pick? Now, granted, it was like the 15th overall pick, but are you willing to do that for Bobby Witt Jr.? I mean, yeah, I mean, at 15 overall, I mean, I could definitely see it. I mean, he's someone that, I mean, as I've said before, I expect him to start the season opening day with the Royals. Um, and especially, I mean, if you're keeping him for, for multiple years, you might as well get your hands on him right away while you can. And, you know, he, he, I believe he's going to be a special talent. So you might as well get him while you can. I mean, I know Wander Franco was probably going – uh, pretty early there as well uh, for for this kind of draft, so it, it makes sense. Yeah, sixteenth um, overall to Bobby Witt. Let me just correct that, and then one, two, three, four, ninth overall for Wander Franco. Um, you won't see another prospect go until Julio Rodriguez goes uh, a little bit later. Um, let me see here. What pick does he go? Julio goes nineteenth overall, still in the first round. It's a twenty-team league. So those are the two guys that, you know, people are willing to take ahead of Mookie Betts. Um, Eric Cross is willing to take Mike Trout after Bobby Witt. He's willing to go and bet on Bobby Witt ahead of Mike Trout. It's kind of crazy to think of, but it, it's really a 50-50 to me. I, I don't mind that pick, especially if you're going to kind of stack some prospects later on, which Eric does. He takes, uh, who does he take next after that? I think he takes a prospect in round four. Um, who does he take here? Yeah, he takes Volpe in round four. So he's he's kind of doing that prospect thing. So if you want to do that, it, it makes much more sense than Mike Trout. But if you want to win this year, obviously, I think Mike Trout is a is still a I, I don't understand why Mike Trout is still not in the conversation for a top three or four pick for this year. But I guess he can't stay healthy anymore. Come on, Trout. Figure it out. Um, let's go over my team really quick just to kind of get your thoughts on it. So I did not pick a prospect at all until um, get back to my grid here until round six. Okay, so I went Vlad Guerrero Jr., Jazz, Jazz Chisholm, Freddie Peralta. You had a big say in that pick. Oh there, yeah, in, in the third round, which I, I you know, looking over, I, him, I had quite the influence on your roster here. <laughs> well, yeah, you're in the war room, but yeah. I, I don't get why Freddie Peralta is kind of not talked about. Uh, you know, on the same level as Sandy Alcantara or even like Julio Urias when he had much better seasons than both of those guys and is roughly the same age. Um, so I guess with him, it's the experience. You know, he has only really done it for one year and he had a lot of media mediocrity before that. But he always struck out guys, which is what kept me coming back. And that slider, he can throw that slider anywhere he wants at any time to anybody lefty or righty. And I think that's pretty valuable. Yeah, I went I went uh, Cody Bellinger, Max Freed, and then my two prospects. OK, so Brennan Davis and Josh Lowe are the, the prospects that I took there with the hope that they would be up and help me this year. I think there's a great chance that they'll be up for multiple months. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on uh, I wanted to pick prospects in this range. Uh, you you participated in a dynasty league where you, you kind of had to do the same sort of thing. So what's your main strategy when it comes to picking prospects versus major leaguers? 
Do you think it's worth the risk? Is it not? Is you just get the guys? Uh, what? Just give me kind of your synopsis of what a good fantasy owner should do. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a matter of getting your guys, and I mean, you're you're gonna want some uh, some top prospects to really kind of fill out and um, you know kind of be a part of that roster for years to come. Um, so I mean, getting a guy like uh, Davis and Lowe, I mean, those are two pretty much uh, consensus top 15, top 20 prospects. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I mean, Brent, I mean, Davis is generally regarded a little bit higher, but um, you know, Lowe is someone that I really like as well. Um, so I mean, it, it's it's matter of getting your guys, and like th- these are guys that are going to be first round pick types, second round pick types in the future. Um, so getting your hands on them you know, in the sixth, seventh round, you know, while you can, you know, I don't think that's necessarily a bad idea. So let's take an example here. Cause I want to get your thoughts on this. So a guy like Brendan Davis, Josh Lowe, these were banking on helping us pretty soon, but there's other guys going as well. Anthony Volpe, who I mentioned goes multiple rounds before, uh, or a guy like Marco Luciano, who is at least a year and a half to two years away um, they're going in the same round or before. How willing are you to do that? And do you think if you take a guy like that in a, a league where you have major league players and minor league players that you should just not even try to win it this year and try to build that up in the next two to three years? And and, and are you OK doing that in a type of league like this? Yeah, I mean, I, I think with the parameters of this league are, are a little bit different where, you know, you don't have the minor leagues. You can just stash them in forever until they come up. Um, you know, you, you've got like, like, what's your keeper situation um, with this league? Because, you know, you, you can't keep everyone year to year, can you? No, it's a it's like it's very complex and we don't have enough time to go over it. It's almost like a waterfall where once you get uh, you have a certain amount of keepers that you'll get and then there's a draft. And if you guys get picked, then everybody else is saved on your roster and it kind of waterfalls that way it's the best way i can put it in under a minute so you don't get to keep 100 percent of everybody no so it is a little tricky again when you get that to be into consideration yeah so you know that's where for some of those guys they're they're super far away it's like you want to you know have them as keepers every single year and then once they're finally ready you're not able to to keep them um, and then, you know, that they, they have to kind of go up and be available. So you just kind of had them taking up a roster spot for, you know, two, three years or whatever. And then it's like, oh, well, now that they're finally ready, they're able to be plucked by someone else. And it just kind of seems like a, a waste of a roster spot. So for me, I'd rather have someone a little bit closer uh, to the big league level and be, being closer to be able to help out in the near future. And it gives you a little bit of flexibility with what you're saying in that if you are ready to go for it and those guys aren't quite up yet, you can trade them away to those teams that, you know, are out of it already. Um, or if you're out of it already, they, they provide the foundation. And let's say, you know, I, I just am not doing very well and I can go trade Max Freed for a couple prospects and maybe Bellinger doesn't have the season I was hoping for. And so I don't keep him, but I keep the prospects I get from a Max Freed deal, which you would assume in a league like this, the prospects are going to be a little bit easier to acquire halfway through when teams are really seeing if they're a championship quality team or not. So quite complex. That's why we love it. That's why we like it. It definitely simulates real life in that everything has value if you know how to work it. So, yeah, your prospect 
isn't up yet, but he might have value to another team, and you got to kind of figure that out. So interesting. Um, I did. I I have two Milwaukee Brewers on my team. So yeah. Um, Aaron Ashby was my last pick here in round nine. Um, Aaron. Ashby's I'm wearing off on you. He's gonna yeah. He's gonna win the Cy Young, is what you're saying, right? Sure. Yeah. Or, I mean, Freddie could win the Cy Young as well. I mean, or it could be Corbin Burns, or it could be Brandon Woodruff. It really could be any of them. Um, you know, Ashby. You know, he's probably not gonna be Cy Young this year. Um, but I mean, he's someone who's got uh, really great stuff, really great potential. Um, he should get some starts this year. Um, at the very least, as a number six starter. Um, you know, he could, you know, get opportunities for more depending on how the season shakes out, but he's going to kind of be, uh, he's going to be stretched out as a starter this year, kind of be going back and forth maybe a little bit, but he's going to be sticking as a starter long-term, um, plenty of strikeout stuff, um, really good value and someone, uh, that's going to put up some numbers you know, especially fantasy numbers. Um, so getting two guys who are going to be parts of that Brewers rotation for years to come. Uh, I think that's a great start for for your fantasy team. I think Aaron Ashby has a lot of value as a prospect. I mean, he's technically still a prospect um, in terms of the rookie eligibility. So that's always nice to get as well. And uh, he's going to make the team out of the gate, right? Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. He's making the team out of the gate. Yeah. So. Another guy that's very similar, which um, I probably shouldn't mention because he still hasn't been picked yet, but Reed Detmers is another guy that reminds me a lot of Ashby where he's still a prospect, but he's essentially in that rotation and he's going to be doing something for you. Reed Detmers also, I kind of wanted to bring him up in the spring training section as he's looked very good, very good. So those guys seem to happen every year where you have uh, prospects take that leap and become a, you know, a 2.75 ERA with a bunch of strikeouts type of guy and start their career off. Right. And hopefully Aaron Ashby is one of those guys. Uh, Freddie Peralta was not one of those guys. He took his time getting to where he is. Um, are you worried at, at all at a fluke for Freddie Peralta? That's my last question for you, I guess. No, he, uh, no, I'm not worried at all. He's, he's just continuing to get better and better. Uh, I love Freddie. Um, and I think he's just going to continue to thrive. I mean, the Brewers, you know, kind of kept it a little bit light with him because it was his first time being, you know, full-time starter, a full season, um, you know, trying to, you know, make sure those innings were in check, but, you know, now he's, he's going to be good to go. He's, they're going to kind of, uh, you know, let the wings, you know, be free, let, let them fly. Um, and I think it's going to be fantastic for him this year. I like to hear it. I just wanted to hear it from you. Um, you made me pick him there in round three. Well, no, not really. I was ready. I was ready to go Peralta. You, you came into the group chat and you're like, all right, I'm thinking, you know, Freddie Peralta and this other guy here. And I'm just like, yes, if you're thinking Freddie Peralta, do it. I'm, I'm, I'm totally behind you here. It's a great call. Do it. He's on the board because I assumed Woodruff and Burns were gone far oh, earlier yeah. and far they were. Um, so if you're looking at Peralta there, yeah, that, that is an excellent spot to take him. 2.81 ERA with 195 strikeouts in 144 innings and a .97 whip. That's incredible for a 25-year-old. Yeah. I mean, he broke the record for most games in a season allowing two hits or fewer. A record that was held by Nolan Ryan. Okay? Nolan Ryan held that record for like 50 years. And Freddie Peralta broke it last season. He doesn't he give up hits. He gets strikeouts. He's a guy you want. And the walks, too. Incredible. Yeah. 
he I keeps mean, on he in... keeps on cutting down the walks. It's yeah. it's great. And the pitch counts too. Like they never even really let him fly. I mean, I don't see any pitch count over a hundred that I'm looking. Yeah. So yeah, but and now cool. with the DH, you don't have to worry about pinch hitters and, and mm-hmm. taking them out for that. So of course uh, he has to face another hitter, but still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but but he can still go deeper into the game. Um, and doesn't have to be removed early for a pinch hitter like we saw. All right. In the NLDS. <clears throat> well, yeah, he. <laughs> yeah, because he, our offense can't do anything. Yeah, he shut uh, us down. But anyways, sure. that's beside the point. Freddie Peralta's good. Take him. I did. Yeah. <laughs> this, see, this All is right. this is why you listen to me. I listen to you for Brewers stuff. Um, let's. Hey, we got to get back and watch some of these games here because uh, they're they're hitting the uh, the last couple of minutes here in the NCAA tournament. So let's go ahead and uh, wrap it up here on Futures Focus. Again, this is a podcast brought to you by Prospects 1500. Check out all the stuff um, on Twitter, on your Twitter, my Twitter, everything. Just follow us and uh, thank you again for listening and your support. Fantastic stuff here. We are almost there. Um, next week, we'll do our bold predictions where we'll get crazy, crazy. And uh, I'll have to listen back to our bold predictions last year and see how we did. And uh, we'll grade. I know that uh, I did not predict the Braves to win the World Series, um, but you pre- predicted the Brewers to win the World Series. Yeah, sure. Why not? But we had a bunch of other predictions, too, about some players that I totally forgot off the top of my head. I'm going to re-listen to that podcast, and, uh, and and it should be fun to go over, and then we'll make a new predictions segment here on uh, Futures Focus. So, David, take care. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for again listening, and Futures Focus is out of here.